0: You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day.
1: I want to uh, uh, suggest to you, or, or I hope that over the weekend, as you're spending time with your family, that you would take time to thank God for the people that have given their all for our country. Uh, those that have given their lives. and as we um, celebrate today under a blanket of freedom. And uh, I hope that as you're celebrating with your families that you'll do that as well. I want to honor some very important people and say thank you to them also. There may be some among us that have served in the military, you're currently serving, or maybe you have family members that are serving or have served. And so if you are serving in our military, or if you have served, or again, if you have family, would you stand and let us say thank you? Amen. Thank you so much. We're so honored. And uh, we have a couple of students uh, that have just joined the military recently, Brandon Monroy. And Jackson Plumstead, we hope that you will see this online, and we just want to give a shout-out to you as well. Well, my name's Chesney, and I'm the family ministry pastor here at SEC, and it's just my joy and privilege to be with you today on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, We're in a series called Love Is, and I have been learning so much. If you don't know, uh, many times the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 specifically is nicknamed the love chapter, and so there's so many attributes and characteristics of love that God talks to us about in 1 Corinthians 13, and so we're going to talk about one of those today, and we find that in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, and so we're going to take to our outline if you would, and it says this, love is not conceited or what? Love is not conceited or proud. Well, I've, I've told a joke in the first service, and it got rave reviews. Our staff over the week gave it mixed reviews. So we're going to see what you guys think about it today. I think it's hilarious. But at the risk of sounding like a preacher joke, I'm going to tell it anyway. And it goes like this. There was a, a doctor that worked in a mental hospital. And so at night, usually things are pretty calm. But this night, as he was sitting at his desk in the front area, filling out some forms, All of a sudden, he hears down the hall some commotion. And he runs down the hall to hear someone yelling, I am king of the universe. He gets closer and closer and closer to where he knows behind the door there's someone in there yelling. As he gets closer, he finds that it's a patient by the name of Harry. And Harry, behind the door, when he opens it, is up on a table in his underwear yelling, I am king of the world. Beating his chest. The doctor just rolls his eyes. He's like, oh my goodness, Harry, you've got to be quiet. You're going to wake up everybody on the floor. You've got to be quiet. He just gets louder. I'm king of the universe. I'm king of the world. Finally, exasperated, the doctor says, Harry, you are not king of the universe. Who told you that you were king of the universe? He looked at the doctor in the eye and he said, God told me I was king of the universe. And just then, a voice from down the hall from another patient's room yells out, Shut up, Harry. I did not. (laughs) Thank you. I think that's so funny. It just makes me laugh. We are not God, are we? And neither is the patient down the hall. And we are not king of the universe. So today, the, the title of our sermon, our series today is Love is Humble. I think that humility might be one of the most misunderstood attributes that God gives us in this list because many times we think humility means that you're shy or we might think that it means that you don't have a lot of courage or it means that you're weak, or, you know, that you have negative self-talk about yourself, like, I'm just not good enough, I'm not good at this, I'm worthless, that that kind of thing. But that isn't what humility is at all. In fact, Jesus was the most humble person that lived on the face of the earth, and he never did any of those things. And so we're learning that humility actually takes a lot of courage. It actually takes a lot of self-esteem to have humility. And to think of yourself in a way that is humble. It takes a lot of self-esteem to do that. So we're going to talk about that many of you know people probably that mask their insecurity with pride. Right? So if you know someone that probably boasts a lot, that brags a lot, that exaggerates stories, they're probably just masking their insecurity. And so we're going to learn today that humility is something that God treasures. In fact, Isaiah 66 and 2 This is what God says about the humble. He says, the people I treasure most. That's amazing to me. That God thinks that is the most special person. The people I treasure most, he goes on to say, are humble. They depend on me. That's amazing. And so I want to be a person that God treasures most, and I think you do too. And so we're going to learn that God loves the spirit of the humble. He treasures those. Now here's the thing. Pastor's been teaching us about what love is and what love is not. And he talks to us about how we, it doesn't come naturally to us in the beginning. But love is something that we can make a choice about even when we don't feel it. And humbleness is something that we can make a choice about even when we don't feel it. And so here's what I want you to walk away with today. If you don't remember anything else I say, remember this, that humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is just thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is just simply thinking of yourself less. A guy, I heard a story one time that he asked God to take away all of his pride. And God said no. And he didn't understand that. And God said, pride is not something I take away. Pride is something that you give up. So it's a choice. It's something, being humble is something that we have to do, make a choice about. It's something that we practice. In fact, 1 John 3 and 18 says this, Let us not just talk about love, but let us what? Practice real love. Would you circle practice? If you've ever been part of a sports team or if you've ever been a, a person that has taken music lessons or anything uh, for instruments or, or whatever, you understand practice. You understand that in the beginning of doing something, it's new. It's not very natural at all. Learning to throw a ball correctly probably doesn't come naturally to you because maybe you have developed a habit of doing it wrong. Maybe um, practicing an instrument, obviously, is not very natural in the beginning. You have to practice. And stats tell us it takes 7 to 21 repetitions for something to become a habit. It takes about six weeks, and we usually give up way before then. And so we never let it become natural. We never let it become a habit in our life. So First John 3.18 He says we have to practice in order that it becomes natural to us, in order that it becomes a part of us. Now, some of us might be thinking, you know, I really don't need this message because I don't brag, I don't boast, I don't exaggerate stories. But can I tell you that probably it's the subtle things of pride, the the things that pride does to us subtly that will make us stumble. And let's just say, if you've already said you don't need this message, then probably... You probably do, right? You're the one. And so this message is for you, it's also for me. So today we're going to look at some ways that we can practice humility. Again, it's not natural to us. It's something that we have to do over and over again for it to become natural. So, number one, let's practice giving preference to others. Practice giving preference to others. Imagine that you're standing as many of you have, in the Walmart line. And there's 55 people in line, and how many registers open? One or two, right? You're right. And so you hear, all of a sudden, someone says, checkout number four is open, I can take you here. Now you have two choices. You can run over small children to get there, and rambo through and and make it to the line, or... You can give preference to others. You're trying to get that last parking spot and three people are coming from three different directions to get that. You have two choices. You can gas it, as my husband Danny would totally do, or you can put the brakes on and you can give preference to others. Here's what the Bible has to say about that. Romans 12 and 10 says give preference to one another in what? In honor. honor. Leonard Bernstein was a famous orchestra director and when he was asking in an interview what is the most difficult instrument to play, he said second fiddle. There are maybe 20 violinists in a symphony, but only one chair is reserved for first violin. Only one chair is reserved for the person that kind of plays lead, if you will. And although all other 19 are needed to make harmony, to make it sound full, to make it sound beautiful, there's only one chair reserved for the first violin. And so it's so interesting to note that Romans 12:10, the verse that we just read, in the message paraphrase says exactly this. It says, practice playing what? I bet there are a lot of categories or circumstances in your life where you could think, Man, I could really practice playing second fiddle here a little bit more. I know I can. Where are some places in our life that we can let the spotlight shine on others a little bit more? Maybe it's in our homes. We're kind of sort of good at letting people on the outside shine a little bit. But at home, sometimes that's more difficult to do, right? We want all the accolades. We want them to know that we were right and that kind of thing. So maybe that's a place... That we can let people shine a little bit more. Why? Because humility, again, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Because Jesus gave the ultimate for us, didn't he? I mean, he gave preference to all above himself. This is what Philippians 2, 3 through 8 says. Paul says, don't push your way to the front. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead here's what i've learned in my life that when i help others get to where they want to go that they'll help me pastor says it like this around here a lot of times what goes around what we reap is what we've sown and so if we sow into others we'll reap a harvest of blessing ourselves. jesus put us above others paul goes on to say don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Jesus thought of himself. He was God, but he took on the status of a slave. An incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privilege. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. That's what I want for my life. And I know that's what you want for yours. And one way we can do that is to give preference to others. Now again, we have to practice. It's not just natural. It's something we have to do in order for it to become part of us. Number two, practice learning from others. Practice learning from others. Why is this important? Because part of teachability or part of humility is teachability. Part of humility is teachability. Now, why should we do that? Why should we learn from others? Why should we even be open to criticism at times? Well, Proverbs fifteen thirty two, the wisest man in all the world wrote this. He said, if you reject criticism, you only harm who? But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Now, it's very difficult to hear criticism from people that we don't think has our best interests at heart. I mean, would you agree with that? It's tough especially even in the people in our own life that know us well that we feel like maybe they're just criticizing but if we'll listen we'll kind of chew on that for a little while and spit out the things that maybe we don't think apply but think about maybe in your job where do you want to go is there somebody already there that you can let speak into your life maybe you want to get a promotion and you want to think about how they can speak into your life because they're already there maybe at home when we're not Kind of on our best behavior, our spouse, or a friend, or a family member. They want to speak into our life, and we don't want to hear that very much, do we? But if we'll listen, we understand that humility is teachability. Now, here's some things that's not on your outline, but maybe you want to jot these down. Some things that'll uh, help you be more of a success or the outcomes if you'll be a little more humble and learn from others. The first is, you'll be more likable. You'll be more likable. I mean, think about people that you're around every day that are know-it-alls. Aren't they a pain in the blessed assurance? I mean, really? Who likes to be around a know-it-all? Nobody. I mean, they're never wrong. They never say they're sorry. They never, they, they just, even if they don't know it and it's obvious, they still act like they know it. You know what I'm saying? So you'll just be more likable if you'll learn to receive uh, criticism, or learn from others. The next thing is you'll just be wiser. I mean, let's be honest. Do you want to appear wiser, or do you want to be wiser? Do you want to appear smarter, or do you actually want to be smarter? Because keeping up an appearance is a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot to keep up, you know, a facade that we don't we don't do anything wrong or that we know everything that's a lot of stress and so if we want to grow a business if we want to grow our marriage if we want to grow as a student if we want to grow in a sport we have to learn to be teachable and receive coaching from other people one of the ways that we become wiser and we've worked it into the fabric of our church is through connect groups and you may say well what's a connect group well connect group. Is a, pers- is, a, is a group of, of, of maybe 6 to 12 people that meet once a week for a specific period of time. So like our, our summer semester is going to be June, July, August. And so you could get around some people that maybe you're just getting to know or maybe you, you know them really well. And you've been in a group with them uh, for a while. And you could sign up on the back of your connection card and just mark, today I want to join a group. Now it doesn't start till the week of June 5th, which is next week. So you can look at the list in your program and pick out one that suits you. And again, maybe you don't know some people. And for people that say, I don't need people, I don't like people, that's prideful. Because we all need other people. We need people in our life that are helping us go the same way. If you're struggling to stay on the right path with God, get in a connect group so that they can help you. Because being around people like you helps us get to where we want to go. We are who we hang out with. Don't we tell our kids that? And so we've got to be that example for them. So I would encourage you, sign up for a connect group. The third thing, the third outcome I think you'll have if you begin to learn from others is that you'll have less conflict. Look at what our memory verse for the the day says. Proverbs 13 and 10 says, Pride only leads to what? Ugh, if you're getting married... If you ever want to be married, if you just got married, this is the verse for us, right? Pride only leads to arguments. So any type of relationship, friends, parents, pride is where it begins. Pride leads to arguments. Criticism is always a test of our humility. Are we going to respond defensively or are we going to respond humbly? So it's always a test. And sometimes god I think God is just saying, if we don't pass this test, we're going to have to keep going through it over and over and over again. So we've got to become teachable. I think in many ways God wants us just to be like children. Matthew uh, 18 and 4, god talks, Jesus talked about, if we come to him as little children, we'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that we, he wants us to be childish. Although some people fit that category, right? But he wants us to be childlike. Why? Because kids are so teachable, especially when they're really young. When Drew, my little boy, he's almost three, when he was learning to talk, I didn't have to prompt him very much at all. When he learned that he could make those sounds and communicate, he wanted to learn more. When he began to learn to walk, I didn't have to prompt him at all. When he learned that he could get from one place to another faster walking, that's something that he wanted to do more and more. When kids learn to read, they're excited about new words. Kids are teachable, and we can learn from them. So Jesus says, Come as a little child. If you humble yourself like a little child, you'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So interesting. Humility, again, it's not thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves less. The third thing I think we can practice after giving preference to others, after learning from others. The third thing is practice admitting when I'm wrong. Uh, Don't we hate being wrong? I hate being wrong. I I just admit it is prideful, but I do. I hate admitting that I'm wrong, and Danny would totally agree to that. This comes a little bit easier for some of us than others. Uh, Maybe some of you are really good at that, and so I need to be around you to learn how to do that really well. But most of us will say, I'm sorry, but, I messed up, but, if you hadn't done that, I messed up, if you had just listened, most of us get very defensive when we admit that we're wrong. Would we agree with that? And so, especially with our kids, when we blow up at our kids and we yell at them or we say something, we say, I'm sorry I yelled, but, if you had just done what I, told you to do i wouldn't get this way well really what we're saying is i can't control myself so i'm depending depending on you to behave Uh, that's really what we're saying and so we have to be in control no matter what anyone does in our life right no matter what anyone does to us we have to try to stay in control so that we're the example to them of humility and just admitting when i'm wrong i blew it that was totally wrong I should never have done that. I should never have responded that way. Will you forgive me? And that is so important in the lives of our kids. Because here's the thing. When we apologize to our kids, they have a front row seat to see God's grace and mercy and forgiveness at work in our life. It's a lesson from the get-go. I think the two words that we can say to our kids more than even I love you sometimes is I'm sorry. It means more. It means that they see you are a person just like they are and they mess, you mess up. And so when they mess up, they understand what forgiveness and grace looks like. And I think that's so important. So let's practice saying, I'm sorry. It's better just to come out with what we are, um, the truth of who we really are. It's like the story that I came across, kind of another little joke there was these four ladies, and they met every week in the 1940s for tea. Okay, so this was a little back, back in the day. And so they would talk weekly just about different things going on in town. And this particular day, they were talking about the pastor's message from the week before. And it was about confession. And so one of the ladies said, you know, I think he's right. Confession is good for the soul. And so why don't we admit to one another what our deepest, darkest secret is. And I think it would help us. It would help heal our hearts. Well, they weren't very uh, excited to do this at all. So the first lady said, this is my idea. I'll go first. And remember, this is back in more conservative, conservative times when the church was concerned. And so the first lady said, well, don't tell anyone, but I like to sneak out at night, really late, once a week, and go to the picture show, she said go to the movies, and nobody knows about it because I go so late and maybe there's just one or two people in the theater and I go there and I watch movies. And I know I'm not supposed to do that as a good Christian lady, but that's what I do. The next lady said, okay, well, if you can admit that, I sneak out at night too about once a week, but it's not to go to the picture show, it's to smoke cigarettes. And I go out on my back porch and I smoke cigarettes. The third lady said, okay, well, if you guys can admit that, I have a whole circle of, of other friends in the county next to us, and I go there and I meet them to play poker, and we gamble a whole lot. And so I just wanted you to know, and it feels good getting off my chest. Well, the last lady didn't want to admit hers at all, and they said, listen, you, we all told ours it's good for you. We feel so much better. What is yours? And she said, okay, okay, mine's gossip, and I cannot wait to get out of this room. <laughs> the point is that if we don't tell our own secret, somebody else is going to tell them for us, and they're probably going to exaggerate. So it's better just to tell your own story, right? In fact, Proverbs 28, 13 says this, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be what? I want success in my life. I know you do too. So that's the starting point. But if he confesses and forsakes then he gets another chance. Forsakes, I think, is kind of another way to talk about repentance. We confess that we were wrong and we turn away. I don't know about your background. Again, maybe you grew up in a home where, I'm sorry, didn't come up a lot. Or maybe your parents never really admitted that they were wrong about anything. And so maybe we're repeating those patterns. But I'm telling you, I believe confession... Is good for the soul. And here's the thing. People already know you mess up. They just want to know if you have integrity enough to admit it. So just go ahead and confess it. Again, I think the most positive thing we could say to our kids is I'm wrong. I was sorry. Because, and I'm sorry because they know anyway. They know that we, that we mess up. And it gives them a front row seat to see God's grace and forgiveness in our life. The first step. And healing any relationship begins with humility. No matter what relationship in your life needs mending. Here at SEC, one of the things that we talk to our kids about is salvation, of course, just like we do here. And we tell them that it's as simple as ABC. And the A is admit. Admit that I need Jesus. And I'll ask the kids, what does admit mean? And they'll say, to tell the truth about sin. And so today, maybe you're here and you say, you know what, Chesney, I have been living my life on my own. I've had pride where I think I can do it myself. And today, I want to ask God to be my guide, to be my leader. I want to do this with Him. And so on the back of your connection card, there's a place that you can check the box that says, today, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. There's also in your program, there's a prayer And it goes something like this, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it on the back of your connection card, would you just check that box so we can pray for you this week so that we can send you some things to help you along in your journey. Well, the fourth thing that I think that we have to practice is practice surrendering your plans to God. Practice surrendering your plans to God. Because what we usually do is we make plans and then we ask God to bless it. I mean, honestly, isn't that what we do? And God wasn't even consulted about it in the first place. James 4, 6, and 7 says... God opposes. Will you circle opposes? God opposes everyone who's proud. But he gives grace to everyone who's humble. Opposes is such a strong word. I can think of people in my life or maybe in the world that I would not want to oppose. Like I would not want to be in the boxing ring with Mike Tyson, right? I mean, I would, I would die. He would kill me. I would not want to be on the basketball court with LeBron James. I mean, he would just be awesome and he would kill me. Although, if you follow basketball recently, it looks like he can be knocked over with a feather. If you follow basketball, you'll understand what that means. But anyway, uh, he just falls down a lot and tries to call fouls. So, anyway, I might could knock him down, but he would outshoot me for sure. I would not want to be in an auction up against Bill Gates, right? We would lose. But here's the one, number one person in the world, the universe. We do not want to be an opponent to God. I am definitely losing that battle. God doesn't just say He's mildly ir- irritated at me when I'm full of pride. He says He opposes me, almost an enemy. If you want to make enemies with God, be full of pride. He can't walk in that way. He can't go that way. That is not God. And so he doesn't want that for my life. We have to know our limitations. We have to know where the lid is and that we can't get above God. My dad loves um, Clint Eastwood. Some of you guys may have grown up watching old western Clint Eastwood movies. And uh, in the 80s, he, com- he comes out with Dirty Harry. You may remember that movie, or at least the title of it. Some of you that are, you know, 35 and older, maybe. Anyway, Dirty Harry has a, a quote in the movie, and he says this A man's got to know his limitations. So, since we're in church, I'll make that really spiritual. Blessed is the man who knows his limitations. We are not God, we are not him. We have limitations. And so I want to ask you today, have you come to the point in your life where you're like, God, I'm giving all my plans to you. How do you do that? Well, Romans six thirteen gives us a little bit of an insight. It says this, give yourselves to God and what? Your whole being to him to be used for his righteous purpose. What is surrender? It means I give up. God, all my plans are yours. I know that you've put goals inside of me. I know that you've put things that I'm passionate about inside of me. But what we have to do is we have to line those things up with what God wants for us. The way he wants us to use those gifts and those talents and those desires that he's given us. What he's put inside of you isn't bad. It's just how we use them. And so ask God what it is that he wants to do with your life... And then line up with him. Humility can lead to a lot less stress. How is that? Look at Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, what Jesus said. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and what? In heart. And you will find rest. Does that sound good today? You will find rest for your souls. A yoke is like a double piece of wood where two animals are sort of bound together to help a cart of maybe crops or whatever go the same direction. Two are always better than one. Two cattle carrying crops, pulling crops is always better than one. Guess what? You are not designed to pull the load of life by yourself. Jesus said, take my yoke, connect with me. Come together with me and I will lead you. I will go with you. I will pull this load with you. Humility can lead to a lot less stress. I want you to go back to those four things that we've talked about today to practice. And I want you to put a little mark beside the one maybe that you want to work on the most. And then on the back of your connection card, I want you to check the box that says, I will do my best to practice humility. The people, God says, I treasure the most are the humble. Why? Because they depend on me. That's what God is saying to you today. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. It's just putting others before you. It's just being teachable. It's just being open and admitting you're wrong when you are. It's just surrendering your plans to God. I know that's what you want for your life today. So can we all stand together and let's pray. Father, thank you. First of all, thank you for the most humble individual That maybe has given their life for our country. We thank you for them. For all the men and women that have served. And maybe not returned home. God we thank you for their sacrifice. That we can stand under again this blanket of freedom in your house. And worship you in the way that we want to. We are so grateful. And then Jesus for your sacrifice. For all of humanity. Thank you. There's no more love shown, no greater love than a man would lay down his life for his friend. So Jesus, help us to walk humbly as you did. Help us to practice these four things in our life. Help us to understand that humility doesn't come naturally. It's something that we have to do every day. That love is something we practice. And Jesus, the more we do it, and the more we do it with you, the better it becomes in our lives and the more natural it becomes in our lives and the better we get at it. Thank you for what you've done for us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and we can all say together, amen.
0: Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net.